Welcome to this podcast from Smyrna Baptist Church in Denwoody, Virginia. Smyrna Baptist exists to make disciples who give glory to our Lord Jesus Christ with every aspect of their lives. Our prayer is that this podcast will help us accomplish that end. We hope that you find this content to be meaningful and helpful on your journey with Christ. Point to Ponder, December 18th, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Some of my favorite childhood memories revolve around my grandfather taking me fishing. He loved to fish, and I loved him, and that made for quite the time around various ponds in our area. There are many memories that stand out to me about those moments in time, but at the top of the list would be our times of singing. Literally, every time we would set out to fish, my grandfather would lead the vehicle in a rousing rendition of This is the Day that the Lord has Made. We would sing with joy and jubilance and happiness, and it just seemed so right. These memories remind me that God has wired us to sing. We sing when we are happy. We sing when we are joyful. We sing when we are experiencing something we love. Today's text is a reminder that this is not something man has discovered. It is something that God has implanted in our hearts, and He has done so for His glory. The passage of study today shows us three things about worship that help us understand why our gathering and singing yesterday not only makes sense, but is a necessary result of salvation. First, the ground of our song. Notice here that it is the message of Christ that dwells within us that prompts action. We sing because we know Jesus, and we know Him through His gospel. The assumption that Paul makes here is that the overflow of the gospel of Christ is song. This means that those who sing are demonstrating a knowledge of Christ, and this also means that those who think they have no reason to sing are telling us something about their souls. While we don't want to draw a straight line from a silent worship attender to salvation, we should admit that those who look straight ahead with a deadpan stare are showing us, at the very least, that they have not understood the place of song in the life of one who has a relationship with Christ. Second, we see the function of song. Notice here that Paul says that one of the things that is happening when we sing is that we are, quote, teaching one another. We teach with our words, but we also teach with our music. In fact, many of you know that it is easier for you to grasp a concept when you sing it. Paul does not want us to divorce our singing ministry from our teaching ministry. This is why we need to be so careful to sing only doctrinally rich, biblically faithful songs. When we sing, we sing truths, or falsehood if we aren't careful, that are implanted deep within our souls. Third, notice the motivation for song. Here we read that we sing, quote, with gratitude in our hearts. Why does the church sing? Because the church is grateful. Specifically, the church is grateful for Christ. We are grateful for God's grace in Christ. We are grateful for God's promises in Christ. We are grateful for God's presence in Christ. And in all these things, we are led to sing. A singing heart is a grateful heart, and all regenerated hearts have every need to be grateful. So yesterday, when we gathered to sing, we did so because Jesus deserves praise, because we believe that singing teaches truth, and because we are filled with gratitude for what Jesus has done in saving and restoring our spirits. Point to Ponder, December 19th. Hope has come. I have often thought about the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in a stable. It most likely began like any other night with people hustling about, the smells of the evening meal cooking, and shepherds tending their sheep. But as we know, it was not going to remain normal for long. 
It was that providential night that the angel appeared in the sky announcing the glorious news, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this night changed everything, and it was this night that we celebrate at Christmas that hope came into the world. I want you to consider today the simple statement that Luke records in Luke 2.11. There has been born for you a Savior. The Lord broke through on that night to save you and me. As we discover even now in our day that the world is broken, that sin is rampant, and that bad things happen, if we are not careful, we can fall into despair and hopelessness in the face of all that is wrong. I often think of how depressing the moments can be when we take prayer requests during Wednesday night services. The brokenness, the sickness and disease, the sometimes insurmountable obstacles can leave you so discouraged. This is why I always take a moment to turn our eyes and minds back to our Lord who is bigger than all of these realities. He is a reality greater and mightier than all others. It is in those moments that we must intentionally behold Him because He came to give us hope. Have you ever considered the simple song that we sing during the Christmas season entitled, Joy to the World? Think about it. The Lord has come, and that is the sole reason that joy has been brought to the world. This truth is to lead us to rejoice as we embrace the truth that a Savior is given to us. Surely the people who were there the night the angel came and announced the birth of our Savior were hard-pressed to find joy in an oppressive Roman-dominated culture. They had long heard of the Messiah who was to come, but to date, still the night remained dark, hope was dim, and the yearning of their hearts remained unfulfilled. Sounds like the ingredients for hopelessness. But then we are told to behold the one who had come as a baby in a manger to ransom and to rescue his people. Luke writes it this way, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Luke 2.9 Dear ones, I can't help but think of the moments in our lives when it feels like all hope is gone, and all of a sudden the Lord makes a way or shows up to strengthen us for another day. The day is coming when all that is broken will be made new, Revelation 21.5. And I believe He is doing that now. Sometimes things are not as they appear. Our Savior, given to us to bring joy into the world, was far more than a baby born to a low-income young family. Isaiah tells us that Jesus was born to us, that He was given to us, the very Son of Heaven came to save us. He looked like a helpless little baby for a while, but in fact, He was to become our wonderful Counselor, our mighty God, our eternal Father, our Prince of Peace. He came to establish a kingdom and a government that would rest upon His righteous shoulders for all of eternity. Behold Him, dear ones, because He came for you so that you would be saved and have joy eternal. Point to Ponder, December 20th, His Name is Jesus. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a beautiful name it is indeed. As a matter of fact, Luke wrote, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Luke would certainly agree that nothing and no one compares to Jesus. It was Jesus who said to us, 
Come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It was Jesus who said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. John seven thirty seven. Likewise, it was Isaiah who wrote, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Isaiah 55, 1. These are invitations from the one who came for us and unto us as our Savior. Friends, ponder today the amazing and wonderful truths that surround the person and work of Christ. We should never get over what He did to save us and what that literally means in our lives. His name still echoes through the ages, and the impact of His voice breaking through the dark nights and places of our lives is so very vital and precious to believers. Do you ever stop to meditate upon the fact that He came to step into your brokenness and to heal? He came to give meaning and purpose to our lives and our journey. He knew that we were broken, as is the world in which we live, and that we would need the hope and peace that only He can give us. John wrote in 1 John 3.16 this, We know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. I'm reminded here of the priceless verse Paul wrote in Romans 8.32. He said, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? The demonstration of God's love through the gift of his own son should capture our hearts like nothing else can. In giving of his son, he secured for us the opportunity to have eternal life and peace with God. Tears ran down my cheeks as I heard the lyrics of the song, His Name is Jesus. The words, His favor rest on us, and receive what love has done, literally brought me to tears. Brothers and sisters, you need to, you must understand that His favor rests on His children. Yes, life is hard and bad things happen to you and to people you love, but that does not change the fact that He loves us and is favorable towards us. The cross proves His love, and that will never change. I can face today knowing that all things will work for my good and His glory because He sees to it. He is sovereign, and He is gracious in His sovereignty. King Jesus came for us, and He will never leave us nor forsake us. This should change the way we face our days in the good times and in the dark times. He is God, and His voice that broke through the darkness so long ago and still speaks loudly today. His truth is still the same truth that it has always been and it will always be. Our duty today is to do what the song said, which is to receive what love has done. Friend, is your peace dependent upon everything going the way you want it to in your life? Or is your peace dependent upon God's sovereign and gracious love for you? It has to be the latter or you will not fare well in this world. Receive the gift of His love and prove that you will have it by walking in it. I can think of no greater tragedy than to be loved so deeply and reject that love. His name is Jesus. Get to know Him personally and intimately. He will change your life as He pierces the darkness in your world and mine. Point to Ponder, December 21st. Do not fear. Children of God, please know that our Heavenly Father understands when we get a little scared and anxious in the hard places of life. All of us know what it feels like to tremble on the inside with fear because of an approaching challenge or heartache. It is there and it is true, and yet we are encouraged by our great God and Savior by His gentle words spoken to His children, Do not fear. 
Part of the reason those words, spoken softly but confidently to your own children in the dark or in times of sickness, make a difference is because of the strength and hope they find in you. They are assured that if mama or daddy said it was going to be all right, that it really was. In short, they trust you. Dear ones, the same reality must hold true for us as adults when we are afraid and the father draws near and says, Don't worry, I am still right here. I've got you, so don't fear. It usually boils down to trusting him and exercising faith. The song that the music ministry sang Sunday entitled, Do Not Fear, is based on the simple but all-important truth that the Lord is near. Some of the lyrics were, He who redeems you will ever keep you, and The child in the hay is the ancient of days drawing near. Those words filled my heart with gratitude and hope that spilled out in tears on my cheeks. A song like that one resonates with us precisely because sometimes we do fear. We must learn to fight those periods with the precious promises of God. Peter wrote, According to His great mercy, has called us to be born again to a living hope, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith. That's 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 5. The initial fear is not sin, dear church family. It is what you do with it that determines whether you are walking in faith or fear. Peter writes about the living hope that should be present in our hearts and minds, even in the places that cause us to tremble. It is there that the promises are to strengthen us through faith. Peter also said in 2 Peter 1.4 that the precious promises of God are meant to be the reason that, by faith, we are transformed into the likeness of Christ. You see, as we lean into the promises of God, the Spirit of God works through faith to extend His glorious might into our circumstances, which will provide the patience and faithfulness to endure and even to excel in hard places. Do not fear. Lean in. Trust Him. Take Him at His word and live victoriously rather than fearfully. He told us that when He chose to redeem us, that He would hold on to us and never let go. Keep your eyes on Him and not your circumstances. One thing among many that I love about being a father is the encouragement and assurance that I see my presence through the years brings to my children. Many were the times when simply being there made them feel better and safer. Even now, when we are together to handle a crisis, a situation, or even just a project, I can tell that my presence makes them relax and hopeful that we will accomplish the task and take care of the situation. How much more, dear ones, should that be true of us when we realize the presence of our Heavenly Father in our lives? Paul said, The Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything, but pray to Him instead. Philippians 4, 5b and 6. Praying to Him implies trusting Him too. Do not fear, precious ones. Our God is with us, and He came to save us and to stay with us always. Point to Ponder, December 22nd, He Who is Mighty. Every song affected me so deeply as we worshiped together this past Sunday. The overarching theme was certainly that of hope because of the reality that God is with us. He is with us and He will see us safely home. As John is saying, I thought my heart would explode in light of the truth contained in the song, He Who is Mighty, the rich doctrinal truths of Scripture, has that effect on me often, and put to music with her beautiful voice was over the top. 
Worship was easy in that moment. Then it hit me. The rich doctrinal truths drew that out of me in that moment, but they are intended to draw that out of me all the days of my life. These truths are true on Sunday morning, and they are still true on Tuesday, standing in a long line at Walmart. They are true when I'm sitting in the doctor's office feeling poorly, and they are true when I'm standing beside a graveside trying to let go. They are true when prices are too high at the store, and they are true when I'm just tired and frustrated. The song contained this message perfectly. John sang and reminded us that Jesus, the chief cornerstone, came and took on flesh, conquered death's sting, shattered the darkness, and lifted our shame. Oh my, doesn't that cause you to want to pause and praise Him right now? Holy is His name, fellow saints. Worship Him. Because of what He did in life, death, and resurrection, we, as His children, are no longer condemned. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. Praise His holy name. The aim of this particular song was to magnify the mighty name of Jesus and to lead us to worship. It certainly worked for us in the moment that we worship together on Sunday. Dear ones, that is not enough. Our prayer for all of us is that these truths will resonate so deeply in our hearts that we will find reason to worship Him with our voices and lives all the time. When John is saying, May our soul magnify His name, it was in light of all that had been declared about Him. Because we are redeemed by such a holy and mighty Savior, we should rejoice. Part of the challenge is to consistently trust His unfailing love. You see, friends, the disappointments and challenges often become tools in the hands of the evil one to discourage us. It is in those moments that he will speak lies about God and God's love into your mind. That has always been a tactic of his because it is rather effective. We were exhorted in this song to trust his unfailing love because we are challenged not to. When you settle in your own heart and mind that He loves you, period, then you can get on with trusting Him always. Deal with your doubt and do so by reading, meditating on, and treasuring these doctrinal truths in your heart. We have so many reasons to join with the cloud of witnesses down through the ages who sing His praises all their days. He who is mighty already did so much to prove His might, power, authority, and love. We don't have to try to muster up reasons to praise and worship Him. All we need to do is remember what our King has already done. We don't have to fake it or pump Him up. He is who He claims to be, and He did all that the Bible says. He is worthy of praise all the days of your life. It was wonderful to praise Him on Sunday, but let's go even farther and praise Him the other six days too. As you do, you will find that your joy is more full and your peace ever-present. All glory to King Jesus. Point to Ponder, December 23rd, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In my estimation, the most interesting figures described in the passages that detail the birth of Christ are the wise men. These magi are admittedly somewhat mysterious figures who were brought into the redemptive fold by virtue of God's grace in announcing to them the birth of the Messiah, while they dwelt hundreds, if not thousands, of miles away. These are men who were undoubtedly well-read, but not at all familiar with the intricacies of the biblical prophetic plan of redemption, and we see this in their journey first to Jerusalem to look for the new king, and then their reception of the explanation that the Old Testament's instruction states that the Messiah would not be born in the city of Jerusalem, 
but in the little town of Bethlehem. These men fascinate me for many reasons, but their presence in the account also has rich doctrinal significance. Why did the wise men show up? Because God wants us to know immediately that Christ came to save the world. Indeed, John 3.16 tells us that it was God's love for the world that caused him to send Christ. We know that redemptive history will culminate with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne of grace, according to Revelation 7, and this is foreshadowed in the presence of the wise men from afar. One of the songs from Sunday was entitled, Savior of the World. It dealt specifically with this truth that Jesus is the Redeemer of men from across creation. Our church is a reflection of this truth. In fact, we have people from all different ethnicities and lineages gathering around the throne to worship the same Savior. Our church has people from different cultural traditions, socioeconomic standings, personal interests, and vocations. But we are united in Christ. Like the wise men, many of us dwelt far off from the people of God. We didn't know of Christ, nor were we looking, but God in His rich mercy and love saw fit to appear to us and tell us of the birth and now death of our great Messiah. He drew us to himself like he drew the wise men to Bethlehem. And when we finally were brought to the place of beholding Jesus, we worshipped just like they did some 2,000 years ago. Folks, Jesus is the Savior of the world. And this is the reason to sing. He is willing and able to save folks from all walks of life. Those who are near to the covenant people and those who are far off can find grace in Christ. Those who know a good bit about the Bible and those who have never read its pages before can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus. These truths should cause us to sing, and they should also inspire us to share Him with people far and wide. As we close, I want to give you one simple exhortation. It seems to me that many believers have a rather pessimistic attitude toward the world and society today, and that is somewhat understandable. From a purely horizontal perspective, things are bad at the moment. Sometimes, I would argue that some of us might consider the historic circumstances of those who have gone before us before we decry our own moment in history. Nevertheless, there are things to be concerned about. However, we must worship the Savior of the world. He is able to save, and He is willing to save, and He is going to save His children. Those children will make up a multitude that no man can number, and we have been placed on this planet to be His instruments in bringing many of them to salvation. May we see this truth and savor the reality that God is not done with humanity. There is a real reason to live and to move and to look to the future with expectation. Why? Precisely because Jesus is the Savior of the world. Point to Ponder, December 24th, Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10. Years ago, I had the privilege of going to Colorado for the first time. My uncle moved to Boulder when I was in middle school, and so my family had a free place to stay and a week to spend in the Rocky Mountains. When we made it to Denver, I was an excited young man to see and do as much as possible. And this overflowed in rampant, some might say incessant, dialogue on the way back to my uncle's home in the mountains. If you've never been to Denver or Boulder before, the landscape is not exactly what many would anticipate. Denver is not actually in the Rocky Mountain Range. In fact, it is in the plains just prior to the range. The journey from Denver to Boulder is a decent length, and it involves moving from the plains into the mountains themselves, which constitutes one of the greatest, most scenic commutes in the world. To this day, I have never seen anything in nature as breathtaking and awe-inspiring as the Rocky Mountains, 
and this trip between the airport and my uncle's house would be the first opportunity I would ever have to lay my eyes on these marvelous God-created peaks. So what was the problem? I was too busy talking to even look. As I was carried away thinking about all the things we could and would be doing, I was missing the moment. There was plenty of time to plan. I should have been busy beholding the beauty of God's creation. One of the songs from Sunday's musical was entitled, Behold Him. The directive to gaze upon Christ is a biblical command, but it is one that I still struggle to obey. It is difficult to behold, like the young man who is too busy talking about trivial things, to observe and glory in the majestic peaks that surround, I still too often am concerned and overwhelmed with trivial temporal matters to behold our King Jesus. How about you? It strikes me that the first step in beholding something is stillness. If we are really going to take a sight in, we must be still and intentional. This is the point of the text I have chosen today. Dear friends, sometimes in life we need to simply step out of the rat race, be still, and know that He is God. Stillness is not easy for some of us, but it is necessary. The best medicine for our weary souls, the best assurance for our doubting hearts, and the most joy for our restless spirit is realized as we simply take a moment to behold our Savior. When was the last time you beheld Him? I know that life is busy. I know that you have obligations and commitments and struggles and stresses and challenges. Those things will always be with you. But so will the majestic, glorious, all-powerful King Jesus. The key to dealing with struggles in life, the key to patience and kindness and assurance, is not rooted in what we can do or in our best laid plans. It is in taking the time to see the King. Have you beheld Him today? I would assume that many of you are reading this devotion before we gather to worship on yet another Lord's Day. If that is true, I pray today that God would quiet your minds and hearts during worship so that you can simply behold the Son. I know that Christmas has all kinds of activities and responsibilities, but before you get there, be still and know that He is God.